So in today's gospel reading, it's uh, the 11th chapter of John, beginning with the 32nd verse. It's a fairly familiar story. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, something I found interesting when I began working on my message is this is the only gospel where the story of Lazarus is pulling. It makes sense because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they were written before John. Most people believe that it was probably 10 or 20 years after the first Gospels. John's living, and he's saying, there's so much more to the story of Jesus. I believe God inspired him to write more, and this is one of those stories. You know, Jesus, if you remember a few weeks ago, Jesus and his disciples were making their way to Jerusalem. They're still making their way. They're almost there. And when they're on the way, they get message. Come quickly, Lazarus, your friend, is seriously ill. And something that's a little odd is, rather than hurry to get there, Jesus and his disciples stayed where they were for several days. I believe it says two days. And that's where our story picks up. Again, I'll begin with the 32nd verse. I ask that you hear these words. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him as a close friend. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the blind man's eyes have kept this man from dying? So Jesus again deeply moved within, approached the tomb. It was a cave, and a boulder was laying against it to cover the entrance. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an offensive odor, for he has been dead four days. It is hopeless. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus raised his eyes towards heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me and listen to me, but I have said this because of the people standing around so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had been dead, his hands and feet tightly wrapped in burial cloths and with a cloth wrapped around his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him. And release him. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to begin the message by, I'm going to read verse 33 again. And as I read it, I want you to try and think what emotions you think Jesus was experiencing. What Something he might have been feeling emotionally in this verse. When Jesus saw her sobbing, and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. What are some of the possible emotions that he might have felt? Despair? Grief? Anything else we can think of? Anger? I'm going to read it in a few other translations. The King James says he groaned in spirit and was troubled. The voice says he was deeply moved by their pain in his spirit and was intensely troubled. The message puts it like this. A deep anger welled up in him. Anger. I said, I don't know if this is the place to say it, but I guess we could say Jesus was pissed. I'm thinking, why? Why would he be so upset? In, in MacArthur's study Bible, they said this, that the phrase here does not mean merely that Jesus was deeply touched or moved with sympathy at the sight. The Greek term groaned always suggests anger, outrage, or emotional indignation. I was saying, why, was, why would Jesus be so upset? He knew he would be calling Lazarus back to life. Why, was, why would he be so upset? Anger, angrily upset. Now, something people who go to colleges and study God's word do is they try and figure out things like this and there's some people who think, well, maybe he was upset because he witnessed this, all these people mourning. And in that culture, when there was a death in, in the neighborhood, in the family, they would gather and they would all be just wailing out loud, vocalizing it as a, it's what they did in the Jewish culture. Maybe he thought that was, they were just being hypocritical with their sorrow. They didn't really mean it. They were insincere. But as I read the story, and again, most scholars, when they give their commentary on these verses, they say, ah, it just doesn't seem right that that's why he would be so upset because he felt the need of Martha. He was deeply moved by Mary, who was, she was broken in her sorrow. Her brother had just passed away. And all those family and friends and neighbors that were gathered, they were all upset at the loss of this brother, neighbor, friend. It's just a reminder maybe that death and the pain it causes is real. Maybe that's what he was upset about. 
Verse 33 again. When Jesus saw her sobbing, and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. He was moved in understanding and he was feeling compassion for those who were impacted by that death. Those who were hurting and suffering. I believe he was moved by this whole scene he was walking into. Death and sorrow is something that we all experience in, in our human lives. It's part of our human experience, even if it's not really a good thing. That's why I believe All Saints Day and All Saints Sunday is so important to gather as faithful people, to take part in it. You know, the names we read earlier, the names we, we hold in our hearts. Remember how they, they led us, how they helped us, how they helped other people. Especially important to the people in our lives who helped us in our faith in our journey of our lives. These imperfect people who lived imperfect lives, but who were helping and working in God's kingdom, taking part in God's plan, in his will, as we say in the Lord's prayer to make it on earth as it is in heaven. We know we're not gonna get there, but that's what we work towards. It's what those Saints before us have worked towards. I know I would not be here today without the people in my lives. The prayers and support of my great grandfather from my earliest memories. I remember him saying, Kevin, I'm praying for you. When I accepted Christ as a teenager, he was one of the first persons I wanted to go tell to see his joy. Both sets of my grandparents. My mother, my father, who went through a divorce, and that's never fun. It's never good. A divorce my brother and sisters and I went through. But yet, as you look back on all those things, the bad stuff usually fades away. And you remember the good stuff and how you were blessed throughout your life by people who made a difference. You know, as we go through life, hurt. Disappointment and pain in the past fades. As we go forward with faith, helping to lead us. A favorite quote that I use several times a year, probably in my messages by, by Charles Swindell. He says that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it especially true for us as followers of Jesus. You know, we have stories in God's word. We have the lives that impacted us, help guide us, help teach us, help inspire us. Then we can look to Jesus as an example. We can take solace in the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ he experienced all these emotions that we experience in our lives. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. And wept again. When we go back to the original Greek language, 
that grew. This verse right here in John, that's the only place it's used in the Bible. And when I study God's word, I say, well, this is important. It's the only place in the Bible that God had someone write this down. Very limited in its use. I think here, John, God using John wanted to emphasize, you know, Jesus wept and he groaned in the spirit to show us that he had fully taken on our human nature. And he was subject to grief as any other man or woman would be. You know, weeping is a natural response to the, the tragedy of death. The fullness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is evident when we hear that verse, Jesus wept. It's revealing his humanity. He's entered into our experiences and knows how we feel. And in fact, being the perfect God-man, he more than likely experiences these things, experienced those things more deeply and fully than we ever could. His tears also assure us of his sympathy. Isaiah, in his prophecy of the coming Messiah, chapter 53, verse 3, he wrote about the Messiah who we know as Jesus Christ. He says, he is indeed a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Today, he's our merciful and faithful high priest. And we get to come to God's throne at any time and find his gracious help waiting for us. The story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead reminds us that God knows our heartaches and our pains. If you remember anything about my message today, I hope that's it. Jesus understands our sorrow, our grief, our despair. Jesus understands because he experienced it in his own life. Later in John's gospel in chapter 14, right before he's arrested, he's gathering his closest friends, his disciples, and he's trying to give them the last things he wants to say and the 27th verse of the 14th chapter of John says this. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be afraid. Jesus offers us his peace. A writer of Hebrews. In the fourth chapter, verses 14 to 16, in the New King James translation says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants us to know that no matter what we're going through in our lives at any time, Christ is with us and we can approach him at any time seeking and asking for his forgiveness, his mercy and his grace. We do that through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit given to us. And with that, we can find peace. As the Apostle Paul wrote, a peace that passes all understanding. May you in your journey discover God's peace and understanding. Amen. And as we prepare for communion, I ask that you prepare with this prayer. God of saints and sinners, we thank you that the communion table is a thin place in our lives, a place where heaven and earth collide as Christ calls us to feast with the saints as we experience the retelling of the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Through this holy sacrament, we confess that we also long to lay our grief and pain at your feet. May your gift of grace nourish our mourning souls and prepare us to continue the ministry of the saints. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <laughs>